Book two, part two of Plato's Republic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Veron Real. The Republic by Plato. Translated by Benjamin Jowett. Book two, part two. I had always admired the genius of Glaucon and Adimantus, but on hearing these words I was quite delighted, and said, Sons of an illustrious father, that was not a bad beginning of the elegiac verses, which the admirer of Glaucon made in honour of you, after you had distinguished yourselves at the battle of Megara. Sons of Ariston, he sang, divine offspring of an illustrious hero the epithet is very appropriate for there is something truly divine in being able to argue as you have done for the superiority of injustice and remaining unconvinced by your own arguments and i do believe that you are not convinced this i infer from your general character for had i judged only from your speeches i should have mistrusted you but now the greater my confidence in you the greater is my difficulty in knowing what to say for i am in a strait between two on the one hand i feel that i am unequal to the task and my inability is brought home to me by the fact that you were not satisfied with the answer which i made to thrasymachus proving as i thought the superiority which justice has over injustice and yet i cannot refuse to help while breath and speech remain to me i am afraid that there would be an impiety in being present when justice is evil spoken of and not lifting up a hand in her defence and therefore I had best give such help as I can. Glaucon and the rest entreated me, by all means not to let the question drop, but to proceed in the investigation. They wanted to arrive at the truth, first, about the nature of justice and injustice, and secondly, about their relative advantages. I told them what I really thought that the inquiry would be of a serious nature, and would require very good eyes. Seeing then, I said, that we are no great wits, I think that we had better adopt a method, which I may illustrate thus. Suppose that a short-sighted person had been asked by someone to read small letters from a distance, and it occurred to someone else, that they might be found in another place which was larger, and in which the letters were larger. If they were the same, and he could read the larger letters first, and then proceed to the lesser, this would have been thought a rare piece of good fortune. Very true, said Adimantus. But how does this illustration apply to our inquiry? I will tell you, I replied justice which is the subject of our inquiry 
is as you know sometimes spoken of as a virtue of an individual and sometimes as a virtue of a state true he replied and is not a state larger than an individual it is then in the larger the quantity of justice is likely to be larger and more easily discernible i propose therefore that we inquire into the nature of justice and injustice first as they appear in the state and secondly in the individual proceeding from the greater to the lesser and comparing them that he said is an excellent proposal and if we imagine the state in process of creation we shall see the justice and injustice of the state in process of creation also i dare say when the state is completed there may be a hope that the object of our search will be more easily discovered yes far more easily but ought we to attempt to construct one i said for to do so as i am inclined to think will be a very serious task reflect therefore i have reflected said adamantus and am anxious that you should proceed a state i said arises as i conceive out of the needs of mankind no one is self-sufficing but all of us have many wants can any other origin of a state be imagined there can be no other then as we have many wants and many persons are needed to supply them one takes a helper for one purpose and another for another and when these partners and helpers are gathered together in one habitation the body of inhabitants is termed a state true he said and they exchange with one another and one gives and another receives under the idea that the exchange will be for their good very true then i said let us begin and create an idea a state and yet the true creator is necessity who is the mother of our invention of course he replied now the first and greatest of necessities is food which is the condition of life and existence certainly the second is a dwelling and the third clothing and the like true and now let us see how our city will be able to supply this great demand we may suppose that one man is a husbandman another a builder some one else a weaver shall we add to them a shoemaker or perhaps some other purveyor to our bodily wants quite right the barest notion of a state must include four or five men clearly and how will they proceed will each bring the result of his labours into a common stock the individual husbandman for example producing for four and labouring four times as long and as much as he need in the provision of food with which he supplies others as well as himself or will he have nothing to do with others and not be at the trouble of producing for them but provide for himself alone a fourth of the food in a fourth of the time and in the remaining three 
fourths of his time be employed in making a house or a coat or a pair of shoes having no partnership with others but supplying himself all his own wants Odymantius thought that he should aim at producing food only and not at producing everything probably i replied that would be the better way and when i hear you say this i am myself reminded that we are not all alike there are diversities of natures among us which are adapted to different occupations very true and will you have a work better done when the workman has many occupations or when he has only one when he has only one further there can be no doubt that a work is bought when not done at the right time no doubt for business is not disposed to wait until the doer of the business is at leisure but the doer must follow up what he is doing and make the business his first object he must and if so we must infer that all things are produced more plentifully and easily and of a better quality when one man does one thing which is natural to him and does it at the right time and leaves other things undoubtedly then more than four citizens will be required for the husbandman will not make his own plough or mattock nor other implements of agriculture if they are to be good for anything neither will the builder make his tools and he too needs many and in like manner the weaver and shoemaker true then carpenters and smiths and many other artisans will be sharers in our little state which is already beginning to grow true yet even if we add neither shepherds and other herdsmen in order that our husbandmen may have oxen to plough with and builders as well as husbandmen may have draught cattle and couriers and weavers fleeces and hides still our state will not be very large that is true yet neither will it be a very small state which contains all these then again there is the situation of the city to find a place where nothing needs to be imported is well-nigh impossible impossible then there must be another class of citizens who will bring the required supply from another city there must but if the trader goes empty-handed having nothing which they require who would supply his need he will come back empty-handed that is certain and therefore what they produce at home must be not only enough for themselves but such both in quantity and quality as to accommodate those from whom their wants are supplied very true then more husbandmen and more artisans will be required they will not to mention the importers and exporters who are called merchants yes then we shall want merchants we shall and if merchandise is to be carried over the sea 
skilful sailors will also be needed and in considerable numbers yes in considerable numbers then again within the city how will they exchange their productions to secure such an exchange was as you will remember one of our principal objects when he formed them into a society and constituted a state clearly they will buy and sell then they will need a market-place and a money token for purposes of exchange certainly suppose now that a husbandman or an artisan brings some production to market and he comes at a time when there is no one to exchange with him is he to leave his calling and sit idle in the market-place not at all he will find people there who seeing the want undertake the office of salesmen in well-ordered states they are commonly those who are the weakest in bodily strength and therefore of little use for any other purpose their duty is to be in the market and to give money in exchange for goods to those who desire to sell and to take money from those who desire to buy this want then creates a class of retail traders in our state is not retailer the term which is applied to those who sit in the market-place engaged in buying and selling while those who wander from one city to another are called merchants yes he said and there is another class of servants who are intellectually hardly on the level of companionship still they have plenty of bodily strength for labour which accordingly they sell and are called if i do not mistake hirelings higher being the name which is given to the price of their labour true then hirelings will help to make up our population yes and now adimantus is our state matured and perfected i think so end of book two part two recording by Vernon